Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of the Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends of the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see a little drop-down menu that has read ACIMOE as a selection. Also on that menu, there's an option to subscribe to receive a daily excellent email that includes both uh, the text that we share together here every morning as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This calls Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. <coughs> and today uh, we complete our reading of Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation, with Section 6. The meaning of the last judgment. We're also mindful of our lesson today. Beautiful lesson 24. I do not perceive my own best interests. And as I mentioned earlier, Fran is traveling this week with family. And so if anyone would like to uh, volunteer to lead our lesson reflection at the top of the hour. I'd be most grateful, as would we all. Um, okay. <clears throat> this has been an interesting um, adventure in the right opening for the for the call today. Um, but I have certainty that this was the one he wanted, so here it is. Um, probably just perfect for the last judgment. It's a poem from Shailen Harkin in her book, Susceptible to Light. The poem title is Don't Compartmentalize God. Don't compartmentalize God. Do you think this permeating essence only stays in the clouds or is snooty enough to only tolerate light? God does not live outside the mundane. She encircles and infuses every ordinary thing. She smears her grace liberally over every excess. How about that? God is bidirectional, not only up but down and in to the nectarious center of every wound. God does not disallow herself entrance into any darkness. She dives headlong into the profane. Do you imagine she abides any kind of caution tape? She kisses the heart of every misdeed. She drinks deep of your dark song. She undoes every binary and the very notion of wrongness. She discovers tenderness in the nucleus of every sin. If light has ever hidden its face from any darkness, then what of its creator? This permeating essence. And I don't know my own best interests. Amen. Started. Amen. Beautiful. Oh boy, I have to get that book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you liked it, Ron Marie. And let's see. 
Are we recording? Did anybody hear the message that the recording has started? <laughs> oh, my computer is very confused right I, now. I think. Oh. I don't think we erased that. That happens sometimes. That happens sometimes. We get used to um, the background, don't we? All right, my friends. We're going to take it on with this reading list today. We have Jessica, Rava Marie, Karen, and Diana. And we're joined in listening this morning by Patricia and Donna. And uh, some others have joined us this morning. I'm delighted to see. Uh, would you like to be on the reading list or just say good morning? Good morning. This is Ida. I can listen today. Good morning, Ida. Hi. Good morning. This is RJ. I do uh-huh. not have a copy. Of morning. The, I do not. I do not have a copy of the original edition. I'll be listening and observing, and and glad to be here. Marvelous. Thank you. Glad you're here. Anyone else say good morning? <clears throat> All righty. Well, let's get underway then. We're in Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation. We're going to read Section 6, The Meaning of the Last Judgment. It was kind of set up in the last paragraph. I think I better embrace the last paragraph of the prior section. And I think there's one unmuted line. Uh, because the last paragraph of the prior section sort of set this up and along with all the rest of the prior section. Anyway, here we go, 105. One of the chief ways in which man can correct his magic, miracle, confusion is to remember that he did not create himself. He is apt to forget this when he becomes egocentric and this places him in a position where the belief in magic in some form is virtually inevitable. His will to create was given him by his own creator, who was expressing the same will in his creation. Since creative ability rests in the mind, everything that man creates is necessarily a matter of will. It also follows that whatever he creates is real in his own sight, but not necessarily in the sight of God. This basic distinction leads us directly into the real meaning of the last judgment. So, Jessica, if you would like to... No, I'm going to have to read that first paragraph also in order to make this work. So now section six, the meaning of the last judgment. Paragraph 106, the last judgment is one of the greatest threat concepts in man's perception. This is only because he does not understand it. Judgment is not an essential attribute of a God. That's worth saying twice. Judgment is not an essential attribute of God. Man brought judgment into being only because of the separation. After the separation, however, there was a place for judgment as one of the many learning devices which had to be built into the overall plan. Just as the separation occurred over many millions of years, 
the last judgment will extend over a similarly long period and perhaps an even longer one its length depends however on the effectiveness of the present speed up uh, now Jessica please <clears throat> okay 106 I mean title the meaning of the last judgment paragraph 106 the last judgment is one of the greatest threat concepts in man's perception this is only because he does not understand it judgment is not an essential attribute of God man brought judgment into being only because of the separation after the separation however there was a place for judgment as one of the many learning devices which had to be built into the overall plan just as the separation occurred over many millions of years the last judgment will extend over a similarly long period and perhaps an even longer one oh my god its length depends however on the effectiveness of the present speed up we have frequently noted that the miracle is a device for shortening but not abolishing time if a sufficient number of people become truly miracle-minded quickly the shortening process can be almost immeasurable it is essential however that these individuals free themselves from fear sooner than would ordinarily be the case because they must emerge from the conflict if they are to bring peace to other minds thank you Jessica and Robin Marie My book says 106, but I think yours says 107, right? Uh, It does, uh uh-huh. We have frequently noted. We have frequently noted that the miracle is a device for shortening but not abolishing time. If a sufficient number of people become truly miracle-minded quickly, the shortening process can be almost immeasurable. It is essential, however, that these individuals free themselves from fear sooner than would be ordinarily than would ordinarily be the case, because they must emerge from the conflict if they are to bring peace to the other minds. The last judgment is generally thought of as as a procedure undertaken by God actually it will be undertaken by man with my help it is a final healing rather than a meeting out of punishment however much man may think that punishment is deserved punishment is a concept in opposition to right-mindedness the aim of the last judgment is to restore right-mindedness to man.
Thank you, Robin Marie. And Karen. Thank you. <clears throat> the last judgment is generally thought of as a procedure undertaken by God. Actually, it will be undertaken by man with my help. It is a final healing rather than a metting out of punishment, however much man may think that punishment is deserved. Punishment is a concept in total opposition to right-mindedness. The aim of the last judgment is to restore right-mindedness to man. 109. The last judgment might be called the process of right evaluation. It simply means that finally, all men will come to understand what is worthy and what is not. After this, their ability to choose can be directed reasonably. Until this distinction is made, however, the vacillations between free and imprisoned will cannot but continue. The first step toward freedom must entail a sorting out of the false from the true. This is a process of division, only in the constructive sense, and reflects the true meaning of the apocalypse. Man will ultimately look upon his own creations and will to preserve only what is good, just as God himself looked upon what he had created and knew that it was good. Thank you, Karen. And uh, Diana. Good morning, 109. The last judgment might be called a process of right evaluation. It simply means that finally, all men will come to understand what is worthy and what is not. After this, their ability to choose can be directed reasonably. Until this distinction is made, however, the vacillations between free and imprisoned will cannot but continue. The first step towards freedom must entail a sorting out of false from the true. This is a process of division only in the constructive sense that reflects the true meaning of the apocalypse. Man will ultimately look upon his own creation and will to preserve only what is good. Just as God himself looked upon what he created and knew that it was good. 110. At the point, at this point, the will can begin to look with love on its own creations because of their great worthiness. The mind will inevitably disown its miscreations, which, without the mind's belief, will no longer exist. The term last judgment is frightening, not only because it has been falsely projected into God, onto God, but also because of the association of last with death. This is an outstanding example of upside-down perception. Actually, if the meaning of the last judgment is objectively examined, 
it is quite apparent that it is really the doorway to life. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And is there another new reader, or is there a new reader, rather, for 110 and 111? I can read, Lori. Thank you, Layla. Okay, fine, Ken. At this point, the will can begin to look with love on its own creations because of their great worthiness. The mind will inevitably disown its miscreations, which, without the mind's belief, will no longer exist. Exist. The term, in quotes, last judgment, is frightening not only because it has been falsely projected onto God, but also because of the association of, in quotes, last, with death. This is an outstanding example of upside-down perception. Actually, if the meaning of the last judgment is objectively examined, it is quite apparent that it is really the doorway to life. 111. No one who lives in fear is really alive. His own last judgment cannot be directed toward himself because he is not his own creation. He can, however, apply it meaningfully and at any time to everything he has created and retain in his memory only what is good. This is what his right-mindedness cannot but dictate. The purpose of time is solely to give, in quotes, give him time, unquote, to achieve this judgment. It is his own perfect judgment of his own creation. When everything he retains is lovable, there is no reason for fear to remain with him. This is his part in the atonement. Thank you, Lana. And is there a new reader that would like to complete today with 111? Last paragraph. New reader? All right, back to you, Jessica. Cool. The last paragraph, 111. No one who lives in fear is really alive. His own last judgment cannot be directed toward himself because he is not his own creation. He can, however, apply it meaningfully and at any time to everything he has created and retain in his memory only what is good. This is what his right-mindedness cannot but dictate. The purpose of time is solely to, quote, give him time, unquote, to achieve this judgment. It is his own perfect judgment of his own creations. When everything he retains is lovable, there is no reason 
for fear to remain with him. This is his part in the atonement. Thank you, Jessica. And thank you, everyone who read this this morning. Um, I think, personally, I'd love to read it again just as one flowing piece. And let's see. Um, If there are no new readers and no one drops out, we have exactly the right number of readers to do it one more time as a flowing piece. Yeah? Sound good? Yeah. Okay. All right. I love it when it when we do that. Just uh, to hear the harmony of the different voices, uh, bring it all forward that way. So, if we do it uh, like we usually do, uh, Lana would do 106, Diana 107, Karen 108. Robin Marie, 109. That would be the paragraph that begins with the last judgment might be called. Uh, Jessica, 110. And I can do 111. Yeah. Or is there anyone who would like to volunteer to do 111? All right. Then let's do it as one piece. Um, Lana, if you would start us off, please. Okay, section six, the meaning of the last judgment, paragraph 106. The last judgment is one of the greatest threat concepts in man's perception. This is only because he does not understand it. Judgment is not an essential attribute of God. Man brought judgment into being only because of the separation. After the separation, however, there was a place for judgment as one of the many learning devices which had to be built into the overall plan. Just as the separation occurred over many millions of years, the last judgment will extend over a similarly long period and perhaps an even longer one. Its length depends, however, on the effectiveness of the present speed-up. 107. We have frequently noted that the miracle is a device for shortening but not abolishing time. If a sufficient number of people began truly miracle-minded quickly, the shortening process can be almost immeasurable. It is essentially, however, that these individuals free themselves from fear sooner than would ordinarily be the case because they must emerge from the conflict if they are to bring peace to other minds. The last judgment is generally thought of as the procedure undertaken by God. Actually, it will be undertaken by man with my help. It is a final healing rather than a meting out of punishment. However much man may think that punishment 
is deserved. Punishment is a concept in total opposition to right-mindedness. The aim of the last judgment is to restore right-mindedness to man. The last judgment might be called a process of right evaluation. It simply means that finally, all men will come to understand what is worthy and what is not. After this, their ability to choose can be directed reasonably. Until this distinction is made, however, the vacillations between free and imprisoned will... Hold on. Uh, the vacillations between free and imprisoned will cannot but continue. <coughs> the first step toward freedom must entail a sorting out of the false from the true. This is a process of division only in the constructive sense and reflects the true meaning of the apocalypse. Man will ultimately look upon his own creations and will to preserve only what is good. Just as God himself looked upon what he had created and knew that it was good. One ten. At this point, the will can begin to look with love on its own creations because of their great worthiness. The mind will inevitably disown its miscreations, which without the mind's belief, will no longer exist. The term, quote, last judgment is frightening, only, not only because it has been falsely projected onto God, but also because of the association of, quote, last with death. This is an outstanding example of upside-down perception. Actually, if the meaning of the last judgment is objectively examined, it is quite apparent that it is really the doorway to life. Thank you, Jessica. Would there be a new reader for 111? Uh, uh, I'll give it a shot. There you go. Thank you. Okay. All right, 111. No one who lives in fear is really alive. His own last judgment cannot be directed toward himself because he is not his own creation. He can, however, apply it meaningful and at any time to any everything he has created and retain in his memory only what is good. This is what his right-mindedness cannot but dictate. The purpose of time is solely to, quote, give him time, unquote, to achieve this judgment. It is his own perfect judgment of his own creation. When everything he retains is lovable, there is no reason for fear to remain with him. 
This is his part in the atonement. Well, thank you, Lemoyne, and thank you, everyone who read this morning. And um, I, I don't know what you might have had planned at this point, Lemoyne, um, since we're a little bit at the top, but before the top of the hour. <clears throat> Should we open the floor? Good morning. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Lamar. I would, I would say yes. Please, sorry. Please. Okay. I, no. Hi, this is so Robin Marie. Go ahead. Hello. Um, I love. <laughs> I just love this sentence. The will can begin to look with love on its own creations because of their great worthiness. And that is just, to me, such a a, a beautiful sentence. Um, to think that as we create through uh, our complete connection with Source, that we can just enjoy our creations and because we are worthy. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Robin Bray. I love that, that word was, worthy. That was a beautiful thing to pull out. A real it just bathed me in like holiness. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I love that sentence, too. And it reminds me that um, all creation is beautiful and lovable and lovely, and only an ego mentality wouldn't distort that. And I think, at least for me, what this section is pointing to, that I, you know, I need to really keep my, my mind out of fear and out of um, ego mentality so I can bless and extend love and see the beauty all around me as, you know, as it was created with God um, or co-created with God. And in order to do that, I need to be vigilant about my own mind so that I can extend um, the love and light of God to other minds. And, um, and, I, and I think um, just the acceptance that this section gives me or, or points to, I don't need to understand, but I need to accept the fact that anything I co-created with God is beautiful and perfect. And that veil that stands between what my ego mind sees and what is actually there is um, what the forgiveness and the atonement is all about. Um, so... 
Thanks again for pouring out that sentence. It is beautiful and complete. Oh, thank you, Layla. <coughs> thank you, Layla. Hi, this is RJ, and oh, hi, everyone. No, please, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I have a question, and it may be for after the, the, the daily lesson, but the question is, am I to understand from the reading that um, God is incapable of miscreating, but God created us, and we're capable of miscreating, so... God's incapable of miscreating, but his creations are capable of miscreating. That's my question. Uh, what an excellent question. And um, this is Lori, and I think um, the whole point of, of this chapter, the illusion of separation, is to help me understand that there's a basic conflict uh, in man's uh, experience and that conflict is a conflict between love and fear um, you're right that God does not uh, miscreate God created perfect beings who are in his like likeness and image therefore co-creators with God because of that co-creative ability we can use our minds to miscreate and the basic miscreation that he's trying to uh, get across in this chapter I believe is fear so when he says man must emerge from the conflict sooner uh, in order to bring peace to other minds he's saying um, the healed mind needs to emerge from this conflict between love and fear uh, sooner the remedy for this conflict uh, he wants me to know from this chapter is uh, to accept Christ's atonement or the fact atonement is a fact we're told accept the fact <clears throat> that in spite of this conflict we have experienced with fear and love we have not changed ourselves we remain as innocent and perfect and holy as we uh, have always been in the mind of our Creator this is the essence of Christ God's one son the self we all share and if I can not if when I can accept that fact for myself that I have not created myself that I have not changed myself uh, that I am as God created me as perfect and sinless and holy as I have always been I'll have no need uh, to miscreate fear and I'll be returned to uh, my original state of holiness in the mind of my father capable of creating in his likeness that is to say to extend and share the love of God <clears throat> where is judgment now the mind might ask now I can see with the healing of my mind that judgment is something 
and miscreated. Why? Because I was afraid. Because of fear, I projected that fear onto God, believing because of fear that I deserve punishment. So the whole essence of this chapter is to help me recognize that my healed mind um, returned to love is capable, and here's the word for the day for me, is capable of utter certainty of the originality of my being. Having been given everything by my creator, retaining it and sharing it as a holy self that we all are. Um, that's how I would answer that question, RJ. And she was, you gave me a great opportunity and I just loved it. I'm complete. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, RJ, for the question. And thank you, Lori. That was fabulous. Uh, sort of like um, bringing it all together. Thank you. Same here. Thank you, guys. RJ, Laurie. <laughs> Thank you. This yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you. Uh, Donna, were you going to share in there? I, I, if we had a moment, and I thank you. I, and from the lesson, I got three words. I got miracle, majority, and speed up. And when I started thinking about miracles, miracles, most of them, you don't even notice you're doing them. And I think that's something I have learned to be very attuned to. I walk across the parking lot into the store and I smile at a person. They smile back. That's a miracle. And I have all my experiences are always like that, or just a simple dialogue at the counter. One day, somebody gave me a dress, a beautiful, festive-looking thing, and I wore it to the grocery store, and I forgot I had it on. Everybody was smiling, and not only were they smiling, they were laughing and had joy, and I couldn't figure out what it was, and it was the dress I was wearing. It was so out of place at the grocery store, and I, that's a miracle. The second, the second um, so we miss miracles. They're simple, corrective and healing, right? They're so simply done, but we miss them. The second was majority. Jesus says in this reading today, all it takes is a majority to bring the sonship home. All it takes is the majority to bring the sonship home because we'll carry the rest with us. And the idea of speed up. If we aren't in a speed-up zone in this generation, I don't know who is. I am complete. Thank you. So oh, I love that, Diana. Oh, I love that, Donna. Thank you. Yeah, I have felt that way a long time about the majority. Thanks for saying that. I'm complete. Yeah, I think of it as a tipping point, you know, a scale where love becomes heavier <laughs> or more dominant than fear. And flip, there we go. 
Oh boy, it's pretty exciting. Um, <clears throat> speaking of our own best interests, um, top of the hour, and I wonder, has anyone given some thought to leading our reflection this morning? Love to have a volunteer. I'll do it. Hi, this is Oh, good. Okay. No, Diana. Diana, you do it. Thank you. Oh, I, I was going to say, if, the, if, if, you know, if nobody stepped up, then I would love to do it. I'd gladly do it, be willing to do it. But no, somebody did, so yay, go for it. No, no, Diane, go Who was who was it that was stepping up? Um, it's between you or Karen, uh, whichever oh, Karen, one of you please, would like go to ahead. do. Go right ahead. Thank you. Lesson twenty four. I do not perceive my own best interests. In no situation which arises, do you realize the outcome that would make you happy? Therefore, you have no guide to appropriate action and no way of judging the result. What you do is determined by your perception of the situation. And that perception is wrong. It is inevitable then that you will not serve your own best interests. Yet they are your goal in any situation which is correctly perceived. Otherwise, you will not recognize what they are. If you realized that you do not perceive your own best interests, you could be taught what they are. But in the presence of your conviction that you do know what they are, you cannot learn. The idea for today is a step toward opening your mind so that learning can begin. The exercises require more honesty than you are accustomed to using. A few subjects honestly and carefully considered in each of the five practice periods which should be undertaken today will be more helpful than a cursory examination of a large number. The emphasis should be on uncovering the outcome you want. You will quickly realize that you have a number of goals in mind as part of the desired outcome and also that these goals are on different levels and often conflict. Name each situation. Enumerate carefully as many goals as possible that you would like to be met in its resolution. Say to yourself, 
In the following situation involving blank, I would like blank to happen and blank to happen and so on. Try to cover as many different kinds of outcomes as may it honestly occur to you. Even if some of them do not appear to you to be directly related to this situation or even to be inherent in it at all. If these exercises are done properly, you will quickly recognize that you are making a large number of demands on the situation, which have nothing to do with it. You will also recognize that many of your goals are contradictory and that you have no unified outcome in mind and that you must experience disappointment in connection with some of your goals, however the situation turns out. After covering the list of as many hoped-for goals as possible for each unresolved situation that crosses your mind, say to yourself, I do not perceive my own best interests in this situation. And then go on to the next. So we will do a five-minute practice now. I do not perceive my own best interest.
I do not perceive my own best interests. How could I recognize my own best interests when I do not know who I am? What I think are my best interests would merely bind me closer to the world of illusions. I am willing to follow the guide God has given me to find out what my best interests, my own best interests are. Recognizing that I cannot perceive them by myself. The floor is open. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Karen. I just love that summary from 55. Is it? Is it I do too. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Karen. Appreciate it. All the share. And your work, willingness to do the lesson, too. Thank you. You know what? There's some... This is Ida. Hi, good morning. Um, there's some lessons that I remember the title of, even when I'm not studying the book, even when I'm in a completely different part of the book. But I had forgotten about this one, and I wonder why. Probably because it's one of the more important ones for me. <laughs> I do not perceive my own best interest as an ego, as a personality, as a body. I don't see what would truly make me happy. I think I'm starting to see it a little bit. As miracles start to take place here where I live, miracles of love you know, and that I help by my willingness to create by letting the Holy Spirit move through me and speak through me. <coughs> Still, it's such a good lesson for me today that I do not perceive my own best interests. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. That was great, Ida. Thank you. Um, this is Lori again. And um, as regards this lesson, um, <clears throat> what I was really drawn to this morning is the way he begins paragraph three. In the lesson, uh, the exercises for today require much more honesty than you are accustomed to using. And, um, and I was attracted to that <clears throat> because, um, because of today's reading. How to say. And also uh, the direction I was taken for the opening this morning. In, in the Manual for Teachers, he says, um, how is judgment relinquished? He says, once I realize the burden I've laid on myself, on my mind, <clears throat> by making my mind responsible for judgment, once I realize the weight of that burden, um, 
I mean, it's full import that I'm to know everything about myself, everything about creation, everything about everybody else, uh, and know all the factors that go into it so that I'm thinking fairly about every single situation and all of its possible outcomes. When I realize that that is the expectation that I put upon myself by claiming my right to judge, when I realize that, I'll be so happy to lay it down. I'll I'll just realize that I was stumbling and falling beneath the weight of the burden I put on my mind to know everything and to be the judge of everything. And um, and he appeals here in this lesson to my sense of honesty. You know, honestly, you really think you can judge yourself? Honestly, do you really think that you know everything about someone else? Honestly, uh, do you think you know what's the best outcome for everything? Honestly, do you think all the factors that go into that decision um, are something you possess? Honestly? Of course not. And, and here's an opportunity then. <laughs> Here's an opportunity to realize um, that of course I don't know. Of course I don't know what's going into every single thing that's going on here or every factor that's involved in correcting some problem that I perceive. I don't know. I don't know at all. And and it's an opportunity um, to realize how happy that makes me. <laughs> You know, it makes me happy to realize that was never my responsibility. So ego would read that that sentence as, I have been dishonest and shame on me. My right mind says, I am relieved of the responsibility for being the arbiter of justice in any situation. I'm relieved of the responsibility of being one who's supposed to know everything um, and let me realize as a consequence of that relief that now I feel lighter I feel happier I feel unburdened I feel free um, like every lesson you know when I let it open up my mind it uh, leads me to a different experience of um, of truth of um, of freedom um, so I don't know my own best interests and I'm happy I'm happy to say so now I can learn I'm complete Laura thank you thank you for that thank you When you go back to Lesson 24, when I'm reading it, it sounds right in my heart when, for example, the lesson for today says, in the situation involving, my, uh, I'm just going to put out, um, if, two, if my family members, if I have daughters that are in a conflict with each other, um, I would in this, let's just say that's the scenario, okay? In this situation involving... Um, 
you know, both daughters. I would like to see peace, acceptance, love, a reuniting of them uh, as sisters um, to happen and, you know, and, and, um, and something to happen. And if I'm understanding what you just said, and according to this lesson, even that is wrong because I really don't know, although my intention to see peace and love and, you know, and allowing them to see the innocence in each other is not something I should do. I guess I'm a little confused on the lesson here because if my intentions are in line with creating to see them back in the camp with God, how is that miscreating? So if you can help me with that, I'd appreciate it. That's a good question. Yeah, yeah. Um, can I, I just wanted to share a little, if, if it's okay, Laurie, did you want to answer? Of course, no. I have a hunch that you have an answer embedded in your share. So please go right <laughs> well, ahead. Well, you know, it, it took me back to this one night when, um, oh, I don't know what the scenario was what, what or the situation, <laughs> but my question to God, it was, what am I going to do? Or that was my question, to, I should say to Jesus, what am I going to do? And his response was, you're asking the wrong question. It's not what you're asked instead, what is God going to do? And I think, I mean, that was like the weight of the world lifted off me because I knew that um, anything that Lana came up with through her ego mentality was not in my best interest or whatever the situation was, you know, and, I, and this lesson kind of points in that direction. You know, it's pointing my mind towards God it's all, that's all it's, that's, that's all any, all the lessons do. They point my mind towards God as the singular source for all solutions, all, you know, all situations, all perceived problems. Um, because, you know, usually when we have, you know, when I have a situation and I think I know what I want to do, you know, it's, it's like I'm, fun- I'm functioning from the ego mentality. The fact that I think I can solve it as an ego identity, well, there, there's the proof right there that I'm not in my right mind. And um, the ego mentality is, Im- we, you know, we're image makers and story makers. And none of that is true. Only um, guidance from the Holy Spirit is true. And only that can I depend on. And I have to give up all ambition and all seeking within my within my own consciousness. You know, the the ego mentality sees only the past. And um, if and and one of two things happen: I either grab a solution from a past, which usually didn't bring lasting results, because here I am back in the problem again. You know. Or I don't find an answer there. And if I'm functioning from ego and I don't find an answer in the past, I can, I can um, believe that one doesn't exist. 
but yet in my right mind, I'm aware of the, that I have at my access the infinite mind of God, which isn't associated at all with the ego mentality. And all I have to do is give up fight. Give up in a good way, not give up, give up in a hopeless way. Give, just give up. You know, I give it up to God. I don't have a clue what to do. You know, it reminds me of the other lesson. I don't know what number it is where it says, um, it's some, I don't know if I have the right, I don't know what anything is for. And Jesus is speaking to that part of our mind that's separate from the truth. He's saying, if you're residing in that part of the mind, you don't know what anything is for. But God knows what everything is for. So, you know, the um, Jesus once told me that, you know, he was kind of chuckling, saying, you know, there's only one solution to any perceived problem, and that's returning the mind to God. And no matter what lesson I read uh, or what text reading I do, that's the ultimate lesson for me. The solution is always returning the mind to God and trusting God. And, and you know, believe me, you know, I had a, I had a daughter addicted to heroin. I know how real these stories and these images and experiences and situations can seem real. And, um, you know, it's only, you know, being like Lori was saying, I've got to be honest. What is the truth of this? That's the magic or the miraculous question to ask Holy Spirit when I'm in that state of mind and think I'm in a state of hopelessness because I can't figure out the answer or thinking that the opposite, that I can figure out the answer. In either situation, I, just so I know I'm, you know I'm on the right path, I'll ask Jesus, what is the truth of this? And then I just, Rest in God. I don't figure it out anymore. I wait for the answer to come to me. And one of two things usually happens. Either whatever I was worried about or concerned about, all of a sudden I see it as meaningless and I wonder, what in the heck did I get so upset about? Or a solution shows up in an unimagined way. And it's unimagined because it's not coming from my past. It's fresh. It's new. And... When that guidance comes, it always comes with clarity and certainty and peace. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I had one of those episodes like I, I'm sure lots of people have where, you know, early on in the course, I just threw the book across the room. And I've shared this before, but for those who haven't heard of it, heard it, and I just shouted in my mind, I give up. I give up. And, G- and I heard Jesus say in my mind, thank God, maybe we can get someplace now. <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, we have, you know, I, I feel like the best thing I can do is just give up. Because when I do, it opens up a space for God to bring in the light of truth into my consciousness. And, and I can recognize it. So um, I'm complete. Thank you for listening. I knew you did, Lana. Thank you. It was a beautiful share, and I love how you finished at space. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks, Lana. Yeah, I liked all that. I'm just thinking one of the things 
because when I think about my children, of course, I want, you know, I had three children so they could all just love each other. <laughs> and, and of course, they're mates. Of course, they'd all love each other. <laughs> and then I realized <clears throat> that I might, I might not be in my physical form when what I want, what I desire for my children happens. And I have to give that up, too. I may not see it on earth, but I believe that it will happen because I'm, I'm thinking with God, and he wants peace and he wants love. Thank you. Oh, thank that you. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you, Robin yeah, Lana, I I really, you know, it really hit me um, when you said I give up, and Jesus said, "Thank God." <laughs> that is, thank God, thank God, you know, and 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 I and I do, I you know, I have five daughters, and you know, there are brief periods where there is serenity and peace and you know i think it's like joe pesci i don't think any one of them they might be fighting with one one another but if anybody steps into the circle wants to fight them outside of the circle you know they'll all stand up against that they do love each other they do care about each other but when the conflict is happening between you know the 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 different the different grown adult women and and I know they're and they're in pain. And why are they in pain? Because they're holding judgment and they're they're holding to their story and they want to be right. They don't want to see the the, the other way. The only thing I can do is like the golden key reference that I use quite often is don't think of the problem, think of God. You know, put everybody in the problem in God's camp. And if my mind wanders back to to the girls that's my signal to think about God because this is how time shortens itself. You know, this lesson is about time. It's about giving up my perceptions of what I think should happen and allow it to happen in God's time because these two people, you know, or these two individuals or, or whoever is in conflict within the sisterhood, you know, um, and, and that they, they aren't aware of the Course in Miracles, you know, and, and their ego has a great, strong grip on them, how are they expected to know anything about time except, you know, that I can see it for them? I can give it to God and, and, and shorten that through, through trusting in his, in his ultimate, you know, um, uh, you know, solution to this. Uh, and how can I help? My prayer, I, I think, or my, my trusting in God, that vibration is affecting them because we are all connected, and he created them. And I, you know, he created all of us. And the, the part that they talk about my creating in this, I've got to step out of that there is a problem and see that there is a solution. And stay there with God. I'm complete. Oh, Thank you, Diana. Beautiful. That's exactly yeah. it. And Thanks, I love Diana. the gold. 
Yeah, thank you. This is Donna. Bye, Donna. (laughs) Have a good day. God bless your going. This is Donna, and I don't have children, so it's very easy for me to say this. It would make it a lot easier for me because of my own self. I can do nothing. Um, and I think, I think what I got from the from 55 today, when Laura, you mentioned honesty, that resonated with me. And then when I turned in the um, when we were quiet, uh, I got a reminder. And the reminder was, I don't understand or realize who I am, what I am, what to think, or where I am. I am given a choice to follow the Holy Spirit. But then what came to me is there are always two choices. One is illusion. The other is reality. So we always have the Holy Spirit. If uh, Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. So if we will be still, keep our mind blank, when we have a big problem, the Holy Spirit will give us a picture or some kind of spiritual inspired idea. I am complete. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. I do not know. That was a great share. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Now, me again. (laughs) Um, I I have to say another thing about uh, the reason I love that lesson asking me to be honest is um, because it illustrates what he wants me to understand about this doorway to life and last judgment Um, we're told throughout this work that I am that my willingness is for the purpose of bringing illusion to truth that's that's um, what I'm enjoined to do in every situation, bring illusion to truth. And that's what um, my willingness is for. And so when he asked me to be um, honest, uh, ego would read that as, uh, well, I'm dishonest, but I need to make an effort to be honest. Holy Spirit would say, let me have your illusions and I'll give you truth. You see the flip? The exact flip? And it's, this, it's the same way that he wants me to understand the last judgment is the doorway to life. That when all my illusions about myself, about this life, about creation, about God, about my brothers, when all my illusions have been brought to truth, I will, my mind will be sufficiently healed 
that I will be in a position where I need make no further judgments. My mind has been healed of all its illusions. And I have arrived at a point of certainty. Certainty is what my father would love me to have as part of the sonship, as part of the trinity, the eternal relationship of the Father to the Son and the loving messages they contain by virtue of the Holy Spirit. That's my true position. That's as I was created. The self that we all share, this Christ self. <clears throat> and when I'm certain of that identity, need I make any judgment at all? No. Judgment is something that um, the separated mind reaches for in order to interpret what's going on in a way that results in many illusions, miscreations that leave the mind in fear. When I am certain of my identity, there's no need for judgment at all. And the last judgment um, is the correction or the healing of my mind. Spirit of mine, eternal, free and whole, free to forgive, free to save the world, you know? That's, that's the identity of the Son of God. And um, in the truth of that certainty, of that knowledge, of that eternal ongoing relationship. As I say, uh, I have arrived at the doorway to life. I need make no further judgments. Um, the other thing uh, to say about that is, as he says, the last judgment uh, connotates fear to the ego, both for the word last and for the word punishment. But he said, the last judgment in its correct understanding is actually an outstanding example of how ego has everything upside down and backwards. I mean, it really is. Um, you know, you say uh, ego says this, but God says this, exactly the opposite of everything you thought. It's all reversed, you see in the ego uh, understanding. And so um, I'm very grateful that in the illusion of separation, he ends this chapter about um, the conflict of fear and love with the eternal assurance that truth is true, nothing else is true. And, um, and when I recognize I don't know what that truth is, my mind can be sufficiently open to be given it. Um, so that's, that's what I wanted to say about honesty. You know, it's an exact flip. You know, um, it's it's my opportunity to be unburdened. I like to think of it uh, as going out to coffee with Jesus, just because I love going out for coffee and I love dialogue. <laughs> and um, 
And then the other thing I wanted to say about what you brought up, Diana, is that in this open space, uh, when my mind reaches that open space, um, I can discover uh, that in my experience, I'll say how it is, um, there's many moving parts to a miracle. And Christ's guidance uh, is responsible for all those moving parts. And um, some of uh, the best experiences I've had um, with this have been those times when I um, relinquish even my prayers because I don't know what to pray for. I don't know what to ask for. But when I relinquish even even my prayers, um, I'm, I'm given... Um, well, one time I was given words to pray and later on gave those words to someone else, not even knowing that those words contained all meaning to that person, you see. So um, when I... Go out to coffee with Jesus. <laughs> um, I discover that uh, there's riches galore, and uh, all I need to do is make that open place. I'm complete. Well, that one, I had to write that one down. Yeah, you're right. There are uh, uh, in this open space. There are many moving parts to a miracle, and. All I have to do is give it, turn it over. When I think about the problem, turn it over. When I think about the problem, turn it over. And miracles happen in trust. Miracles happen when, you know, the ultimate knowing takes over. I'm complete. Thank you. That's beautiful, Diana. Thank you, Diana. Good morning. Um, it's Karen. I definitely had a thought on that, too. Um, my daughter's always in crisis. And cancel, cancel, cancel. She's, you know, she's learning things and growing and going through things that are her personal curriculum. But when she comes to me and she's in crisis, I, I really, you know, I have to step back because my ego wants to, jump in and try to do something. And my higher self is saying, just wait. Leave it on the altar and don't do anything. And that's a really hard thing for my ego to accept. You know, don't even judge it. Don't even judge it. Don't even go into, like, um, having an opinion. But just give it to God and wait. And pray that when and if I need to do something, Spirit will do it through me. And uh, I was I was touched by your prayer, Diane, because Diana, because I thought it was a perfect prayer. You know that you want your children to be in harmony. It was a beautiful prayer. It was right mindedness. You know that's the prayer. What what happens and how it gets there and what what needs to happen, that's what we don't know, and that's what's beyond our control. So I was thinking about the reading, The Last Judgment, and I kind of did a little synopsis in my mind when I read it before um, before we got on the calls today. And one thing was um, my ego judges to keep me safe. 
it's clearly demonstrating I don't know who I am. Why is my ego always judging? Because it's always trying to figure out how to stay safe, you know, because I have a a history of living in a lot of um, unsafe violence and so on. So the ego mind is always, um, what's the word? Uh, Yeah. The ego mind is always um, obsessed with uh, trying to stay in a position that's safe. If I know who I am in my Christ self, I would know I am safe. But at the beginning of the reading of the Last Judgment, it says there is a conflict between love and fear. It's so simple, right? The ego wants to be safe. That's a fear. Whereas if I know who I am, I accept that I'm totally protected and love is with me. But I keep vacillating back and forth between these two realities. What is the last judgment? The last judgment is going to be when I stop vacillating back and forth, when I am in right-mindedness and I have the confidence and the strength in right-mindedness not to keep going back into the fear, falling back into the fear. Um, it's, it's, this is an opportunity for everything to be played out. I do not perceive my own best interest because... I'm supposed to let God show me how to get through this and how to grow and how to change. It's like stepping out in the dark and not being able to see, but knowing that you're holding Jesus' hand. I don't have to see it, but I do need to learn to trust it. I do need to learn to let go of holding on and being in control. Being in control is huge for me, huge, because... You know, I grew up in chaos and violence. So it's unlearning, which is what this part of the work, the, the text and the workbook are about. The deconstructing of the ego's thought system. Thank you for letting me share that. I'm complete. Wow, that was, uh, that was uh, really wonderful uh, expression of seeing this. Correctly. Thank you, Karen. Oh, thank you, Karen. That was so lovely. Thank you. Hey, this is RJ. Hi, everyone. Um, I like to try and find peace within my own soul. And as I've done some of the exercises, I'll often do um, what the exercises recommend about thinking about different things or looking around the room. Um, One of the exercises I do is I'll just think of different people out in the outside world, and then I'll ask myself if I'm at peace, you know, in my own soul. So I'll say, when I think about my brothers and sisters, am I at peace? within my own soul, within my own experience. When I think about my parents, am I at peace? When I think about somebody in prison for murdering five people, am I at peace? When I think about political figures that are running for president, am I at peace? 
it seems to me that first and foremost, I have to be at peace within myself. With that, I am complete. Oh, I love that, RJ. Thank oh, you thank much. you, RJ. That was great. Yeah, peace is such a powerful state of mind. Well, thank you so much, RJ. I also, uh, I was grateful that you mentioned what's going on in the world, politically and so on, because I have to admit, <clears throat> I am feeling a lot of fear and constantly trying to be at peace. And it's challenging. It's very challenging. It just not look and and the question that comes to me is well are we supposed to just not look because it's so scary and complete thank you karen oh karen thank you could i just share a little story from a few from a few years ago actually it was right before the pandemic hit maybe about six months before, I got a call from my sister who lives in California, and she told me that my nephew died suddenly from sepsis. He was diabetic. He was only 34 years old. And um, Maggie and BJ grew up together. He was like a child to me. So I was stunned. I was just literally stunned. And... um, Not coincidentally, by the way, at the same time I was on my cell phone with her, I'm looking at my um, computer and I see two instant messages coming through of students I I was mentoring, both of them in, oh, such fearful situations, one over relationship and one over money. And they were, you know, just pleading if they could call me or if I would respond. And my first inclination was, no, I need to get my wits about me. I need to meditate. I need to rest. I need to heal before I can help them. And uh, Jesus came right into my mind at that moment and says, no, no, you need to heal now. And the way to heal was to join them in healing. And when I stop being self-absorbed and, and put my focus on them and extended the love of God to them, it was such a miraculous um, experience. We all healed. We all were returned to peace by sharing the love of God. That's why I think it's, for me, it's my highest form of forgiveness is when I'm in a panic It's because I'm self-absorbed. My ego identity is ruling my mind. So by sharing the love of God, whether it's on Facebook, in a phone call, in person, um, it takes me into the light of God. It takes me into the love of God. and, And that heals me. That's my form of forgiveness. Um, and it's, I can't tell you how miraculous it is. I mean, I can feel the spiritual energy of God rising up within my body, healing me. You know, I feel it right now, you know, just talking about it. So um, as long as I'm focused on self, but when I forget all about Lana, 
You know, when anything, when I write, I forget about Lana. When I paint, I forget about Lana. When I cook, I forget about Lana. <laughs> forget about, forgetting about Lana is probably the best thing I ever do because then I'm in unity with something. And because in truth we are a unit, we are one in God, I don't know, I get, I get to experience the energy of that unity that oneness with God. I'm no longer functioning from a separate state. And it's amazing. So amazing. So anyway, I, was, I just wanted to share that in response to some of the shares. Um, I mean, I have one daughter. I can't imagine having five. I don't, I, you know, that just boggles my mind. <laughs> um, I'm, oh, I'm so in awe of you. I'm complete. Lana, I'm so glad you shared that experience. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. very beautiful. Thank you, Lana. Um, Thank you, Lori. I, I agree. That is exactly um, that is exactly why uh, we're here. You know, that's why we're given truth so that we can share it. And um, and that is that is to me what makes. Um, what makes of this place that I think I'm in a heaven. Um, and I, I no longer have that terrible urge to die and be with God. You know, when I share God, I'm with him. And, um, and it's life-saving. So thank you for that story. Oh, it's life-saving to me too, Lori. I know just what you mean. Thank you, Lana. Yeah, Lana, I think we'll come to that experience is also an invitation to your senses, which are God-given. You get to feel that warm blanket coming out. You know, you get to feel the texture as you're folding it. You know, you can hear the bird. You can, you know, in that noticing, you're being of service to the gifts that we already have that we don't remember. And... Uh, I love that share, too. Thank you. Yeah, it really um, validates Jesus' word is I need you, when he tells us I need you nothing. That's the best thing I can do. <laughs> you know, as far as Lana is concerned. <laughs> Just don't do anything. You know, it's like don't touch the hot stove. Just stay away. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? Um, we're getting close to the end of our recorded time. I, I wonder who um, who we haven't heard from. Uh, there are there are beings we'd love to hear from this morning, given you this opportunity. No, we're not giving anything. Please take this opportunity. More like it. Is, is Lemoyne still on the call? Um, it's nice to hear sometimes a deeper voice because there's very few of us men here in the call. I agree. Yeah, because <laughs> testosterone or whatever is needed. <laughs> I know he's been thinking about it. 
I know you've been thinking about it, Lord. He's a little under the weather this morning, physically. But what say you, my dear? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I can get beyond the title of the lesson. I do not perceive my own best interest. And, uh, yeah. I, I, I just, one thing I definitely wanted to say was I want to thank you, Lana, for your share because, uh, you know, this thing of, uh, feeling in the soup and, it's not not a happy experience. Um, that uh, that you know that the answer is uh, not just doing in my own uses more. You know, I don't. I'm not having a wonderful experience of a holy instant this morning. <laughs> but I I am having an experience of perhaps of of, uh, of the lesson landing. And um understanding that a lot of the time when I think I'm returning to the present I'm just returning to a presence that uh, that's pinned in in a very specific way um, between a, a past which I've judged as wrong and a future which I fear will be more of the same and that You know, although it may spur me to do things that are helpful, it's, uh, in this way, it, it held in that way, everything is uncertain and the experience is very temporal. And not temporary, is I'm continually recreating. <laughs> but only because I'm recreating it. And, and, you know, I can see how it, it covers over that experience. Um, you know, that was a very lovely practical practical, you know, real world, so to speak, description of, uh, of uh, <clears throat> what the text says about the holy instant. It says, don't try and prepare yourself for the healing in the holy instant. That is that is what it's for. You know, it's for that healing. And uh, so all I can say is, uh, you know, what there is to really say is that I'm glad I didn't just roll with the... Uh, I'm sick and I'm just going to lay here, thing. And, uh, 
and feeling my own juices. It's, uh, it's been interesting to watch and to see how how I've got these conflicting goals and, and everything I'm concerned about is tangled up in the conflicting goals and Um, none of them are, they're all attempts, even the goals <clears throat> are attempts to solve problems that aren't, that aren't real except if I make them for myself. But the real problem is, is the self-judgment, you know, well buried that, uh, it's not anywhere what it used to be, but there's still enough of it there that <laughs> I have managed to suffer everything at <laughs> some time or another. Um, anyway, uh, like that line, I think it was yesterday's reading, maybe it was the day before, about how... Uh, it feared, it feared every, everything of it, you know, God, myself, life, everyone I've met, and everyone, <laughs> he didn't say it, but, you know, even people I haven't met yet, um, and it's because of misperception of what life is and what it's for. Which, you know, in my mind, it must be some form of sharing. And anyway, um, I'm complete. I'll stop there. I do recognize I don't perceive my own best interest most of the time. Oh, thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. That was lovely. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. It's always good to hear you. Thank you. Anyone else uh, that we haven't heard from this morning? Just love to hear from you. Final shares. Hi, guys. Jude, I just want to thank you all for there your you are. beautiful insights and lovely shares today. And they were all so crisp and clean and um, clear. And um, I want to keep mine um, that I don't need, I know I don't need to make plans because I trust that I will be completely cared and loved loved by God, um, the lesson speaks to me of that. I place the future in the hands of God. And um, love, 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 love your share, Lori, about honesty. 
getting rigorously honest with myself before God is my witness. You know, that's purifying my heart and knowing that my heart is um, in God's. And that's what I mean when I say it, and I say it when I mean it. <laughs> I want him to make perfect in me what is, make perfect to me, to me, what is perfect in me, that I may love like God does, without any questions, without asking for anything, without any sense of personal self. Let's share from Lana about, you know, um, dying to myself and my own personal self-interest that if I'm loving anybody for what benefit they may make of me, for me, to me, then I'm not loving them. I'm just loving myself. And that came clear to me this morning, came clearly to me in my morning meditation, seeking answers for how I disturb my peace. Um, by being selfish, I'm selfish. <laughs> and I'm sorry, please forgive me. I am complete. Oh, Judy, I don't experience you as selfish at all. You're beautiful. That was a beautiful share. Thank you, Judy. That was lovely. No, you're not selfish. You're so generous every time, every day on the call. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, heaven, you know what? <clears throat> heaven bells are Heaven's bells are calling me. Be, be honest and know to know thyself. I know self be true. <laughs> There's no getting away yeah. from me. Thank you. Well, you know what? Um, I'm particularly guided today because I've been overjoyed to hear. Uh, this same thing from so many different voices. Have to tap a line. I'm sorry. Um, I've, I've heard the same same thing uh, from uh, the one voice that we share. The lesson. The lesson is lesson 156. I walk with God in perfect holiness. And here he says, today's idea states the simple truth that makes the thought of sin impossible. It promises there is no cause for guilt and being causeless, it does not exist. It follows surely from the basic thoughts often mentioned in the text that ideas leave not their source. If this be true, how can you be apart from God? How could you walk the world alone and separate from your source? Where he is, must holiness be there as well? No attribute of his remains unshared by everything that lives. What lives is holy as himself, because what shares his life is part of holiness. It could no more be sinful than the sun could choose to be a vice, the sea apart from water, or grass grow with roots suspended in the air. <clears throat> I've heard this this morning, there is a light in you which cannot die, whose presence is so holy that the world is sanctified because of you. The light in you is what the universe longs to behold. 
all other things are still before you for they recognize who walks with you thank you for that image this morning light you carry is their own and thus they see in you their holiness saluting you as Savior and as God this is the way salvation works I've heard this this morning as you step back the light in you steps forward and encompasses the world it heralds not the end of sin and punishment and death in lightness and in laughter is it gone because its quaint absurdity is seen a foolish thought a silly dream not frightening ridiculous perhaps but who would waste an instant in approach to God himself for such a senseless whim who walks with me who walks with me this question should be asked a thousand times a day till certainty has ended doubting and established peace today let doubting cease God speaks for you in answering your question with these words I walk with God in perfect holiness I like the world I like my mind and all the minds which God created one with me I'll leave go of quaint absurdity today And remember, I walk with God in perfect holiness. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I just couldn't be more grateful uh, for the light you share here and every day in the world.